And a fantastic day to you. I'm Jason Danley, and this is Priming the Pump, the podcast from Ag Spray Equipment, where we talk about a little bit of everything, not just sprayers and liquid application, but all things ag. We appreciate you coming back into the program. We've been off uh, a little bit here over the last couple of weeks uh, between scheduling guests and uh, other things happening in the world of work. Uh, we've taken a little bit more time uh, from our last episode to this episode uh, to keep you entertained, but uh, we have made up for it. Uh, we have two guests on today, and I will get to introducing them in just a little bit. As a reminder, please like and share this podcast amongst uh, your friends and those that you feel like would uh, certainly enjoy uh, an agricultural podcast that is centered a little bit around the spraying and liquid application uh, industry. Be sure to uh, follow us, uh, you know, on, on whatever podcasting uh, platform that you you happen to listen to us on. Subscribe on uh, iTunes. Uh, you can get us on uh, Pandora. You can find us on Spotify. All of those places. And, and if there's a place that uh, you listen to your podcasts at uh, where you're not finding us and you're just stumbling across this podcast, well, let me know. We'll we'll figure out how to get on there because we certainly want to be out there for anybody and everybody to uh, listen to. Uh, what it is that we do here. Now, anybody that has worked in the sprayer industry or been around the spray industry has probably at some time stumbled across several websites out there that have got a lot of information about sprayers and liquid application. One that uh, within our own company at Ag Spray Equipment that I, I've seen people reference articles off there quite a bit or at least go to to find more information uh, about certain subjects is sprayers101.com. Uh, this is a website that, just as it sounds, is a very academic website uh, where you can learn a lot about the sprayer industry and not just the science behind uh, nozzles or drift control control technologies, but about the entire industry. Um, there is a bevy of articles on here, uh, just their headlines, spray basics, boom sprayers, specialty sprayers, and then you can get into the different subjects on each one of those uh, concepts, rates and calibrations, nozzles and droplets. Uh, Sprayers101.com is a fantastic website for anybody that works in this industry or is in the uh, farming industry where you're spraying any sort of liquid or doing any sort of liquid application. It is a fantastic resource. And as we will talk about in this podcast, you will find out uh, that it is academic and research-based, so it is not pushing a, a certain product or a certain technology. It is it is promoting the research behind uh, these techniques and these products. So uh, the thing I like about it, and granted, we have some great vendors, and many of these vendors we've talked to uh, on this website, but at the end of the day, the best product that's out there is their product, and, and I'm the same way. I work for Agspray Equipment. Uh, the best 12-volt lineup and three-point sprayers and pull-type sprayers and liquid applicators you can buy are from Ag Spray Equipment. But I also recognize the fact that you have to earn that. You have to earn the trust with your customer. And Sprayers101.com does a very good job of kind of eliminating what's coming in from the manufacturers and the sales pitches and gets you down to the scientific side. So with that said, uh, let's jump into things here. Let's welcome into the podcast our two guests today. The first time we've had two guests on this podcast at the same time. Uh, they are the guys from Sprayers 101, the website that I know I visit uh, quite a bit when I'm looking for uh, just a, a vast array of information on the world 
of uh, sprayers and liquid application. Uh, they are Jason DeVoe and Tom Wolf. Jason and Tom, this is going to get confusing because we're going to be referring to Jason way too many times in this podcast. But thanks for coming on, guys. My pleasure. Thanks for, thanks for having us. So uh, let's just jump right into the story, and I'll let you guys kind of you know go back and forth a little bit on it here. But Sprayers 101, uh, for me as a guy that, that works in sales uh, and works in, in the training of new employees, uh, ha- has been an, an integral part uh, to the development of some uh, new employees that we brought on, and, and even just kind of that uh, continued knowledge base, uh, I, I guess maybe in, in, in the world that, that you guys have come from, uh, we'll call it continuing education. You know, you get your degree and you, you need to stay uh, up on the, the, the latest trends and tips and everything out there. And uh, Sprayers 101 has really provided that for, I think, a lot of people in this industry. Uh, I, I guess where I want to start is how did you guys get started and how did this thing all come to be? Well, I think I was actually on sabbatical in New Zealand in 2007 when Jason emailed me with an introductory email saying he's the new sprayer specialist in Ontario, uh, was trying to get some uh, fact sheets going, get some uh, publications written, uh, whether I could, uh, you know, what I knew about the situation. And I, I gave him what I had and and Jason got going and he found his niche in air blast spraying, which is something I didn't do. And then we kind of, uh, we kind of, you know, didn't con on each other for a few years. And then when was it, Jason? 2013, 2014, we reestablished contact a few years after that? It was something like that. And I, I'll fill in from my side. I came into this with no agricultural background. My training was in cell biology and, and how molecules move across very, very small spaces. So obviously that lends itself to sprayers, of course. But it, it happened, and I was really grateful for the opportunity, and it, it turned into something that I'm very passionate about. But like you know, any new job, you want to reach out to the big names in the industry, and, and Tom was the top of the list, not to blow sunshine here, but you don't go far in spraying without coming up with Tom Wolf. Uh, and Tom well, was gracious. There's something about spraying, though, that, and that is that there's very few of us. You know, it's easy to be... Uh, you know, a big fish in such a little pond. I mean, there really are very, very few spray specialists in the world and in North America in particular. And in Canada, it's really, you know, just a handful. So that's been a, 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 an issue. And I think that's one of the things that we we recognize too when Spurs 101 was born is that there needs to be some kind of a, an easier way for people to get access to this information because you, you, you know, you're not, you have to chase essentially one or two people down. Agreed. So as someone starting in the industry, you know, that hit me flat in the face right away. Uh, and after a few years in the role, building confidence and learning just how little I knew, I, I did find that that aspect of spraying that was least serviced was specialty crops and more specific, again, uh, air blast. That It seemed that even though, as you say, Tom, there were very few people, there are very few people that are considered application technologists the vast majority of them are focused on, on field sprayers. Uh, and of those, quite a few focus on herbicide applications. So that would, a lot of the advice that's built uh, for, that, for that usage pattern is completely wrong for especially crops and air blast to the point where something that's great advice for a guy putting down a pre-emerge 
is a kick in the pants for someone putting fungicide on an apple. So that's where yeah, I thought. What is a hollow cone nozzle, anyways? Oh, it's what is it good for? Is we it don't good for at all. It, well, they're know. you know, let's it. say it's hot outside and you're at a bar. You just it's evaporative <laughs> cooling. Let it rip. Yes, yes, that's true. So I, I do see I do see value in that. Yeah, I built up some confidence. I saw you know the paucity of information, and I wrote a a course called Air Blast 101. But I can't leave Ontario as often as I would like, and I thought I'll just start a little website so people can come find it. And it was really successful. And I think that was the first indication that there was a need out there for one-stop shopping, a non, well, an impartial uh, source of information for anybody spraying. And I mean, you know, all aspects of application. And when I saw that potential, I also realized there was a gaping hole in it. And that was not very many people cared about air blast spraying, certainly not like the acres and acres of soybeans out there. So I wrote Tom again. And he was back in Saskatoon by now, which is almost the same as New Zealand, temperately. Like, I don't even know if you changed <laughs> We're called, Actually, Saskatoon is called the Paris of the Prairies. And I mean, it is a stunningly beautiful little city. We've got a beautiful river. I mean, yeah, thanks, Jason, that you recognize that. It's gorgeous. And I, I do tease, but I've visited many times and I think it's, it's wonderful out there. So I flew out because I, what I had in mind, you know, you don't ask someone to marry you over the phone. So I, <laughs> I went out to meet with Tom. And I had my hat in my hands and my ring in my pocket. And I said, you know, <laughs> let's make this site something special. It was love at, fir it was love at first sight. Uh, yeah, there's, there's some man love going on here. I won't deny that. <laughs> so we had some beer. Mistakes were made. And Tom agreed that we would revision what became Sprayers 101. And I'm not going to ask someone to move into my house. We needed a new house. So we redesigned the site. We assessed what we felt our clients needed. Um, it's little things you wouldn't think about, like the power of a search engine. Some people come onto the site with no idea what they're looking for. Others have a very good idea what they're looking for. Um, and some way to sort through what became or has become hundreds of articles, videos, and things as odd as poetry and song parodies. <laughs> you know, you want to be able to find it easily. So we started rebuilding it. Um, I'll, I'll hand it back over to you, Tom, about where it went from there. You know, I mean, uh, we, uh, I mean, I, I, I personally, I, mean, I have a scientific, both Jason and I have, have, uh, you know, postgraduate degrees and we're, we're, we come from a scientific background, but the, you know, the, the clients that we're trying to reach are really the, the practitioners, you know, the farmers, the retailers, the advisors. And so we wrote uh, content with them in mind. I certainly, when I write an article on Spurs 101, I envision a progressive farmer. That's who I'm talking to. I want that farmer. I assume that they know something and I want them to do a better job or enable them to somehow find a way to get in a little bit extra out of the, out of the job. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm speaking at a, at a level where I think I'm adding something to someone who already knows something. And, and I think that has really, you know, that has really caught on. So we actually also capture people who are maybe in the academic world that are trying to understand uh, spring so on and so forth. But it's been uh, it's been a really positive outlet for me. It's a lot less intimidating to write for a website and uh, you know have a beautiful WordPress template where you can just add and subtract whatever you want uh, from your from your smartphone even, and um, and and go and communicate that way. So the communication part of it is huge for me. The thing I really enjoy uh, about about your website and, and and what you have made it to be is it is 
uh, from an academic and educational background. And, and this is no knock on the sprayer manufacturers, the companies that make the nozzles. Um, but I've, I've toured their facilities and I've talked with them. And, and there is obviously a science behind what they're doing. Um, but a lot of times it, it is, it's still sales-based. It's I'm trying to sell my product to this customer as opposed to the technology or the concept behind the nozzle, the concept behind, you know, that tip and the application rate. And that's what you get a little bit more into where it's not, you know, hey, look at this new great XYZ tip that this brand of company came out with. It's more uh, along the lines of, you know, the uh, the actual benefits of using that style and, and not necessarily pushing a, a manufacturer or a, a concept from, you know, somebody that's ultimately trying to, uh, make profit off of that. I mean, it, it is really a, an educational base and a, and a great learning point um, and, and a great name, Sprayers 101. It's like taking a class in college. It's really your introduction yeah. to it. But you do have uh, some pretty advanced techniques and advanced articles on there. Is there anything, I, I guess, kind of getting into what where, where this has come now, um, is there anything that you either of you can point back to that really was that, that launching point, you know, there, there's a point kind of like with my, this podcast and, and with anything we do in life where you're just doing it because, Hey, there, there's a need for it. And I'm going to just write the articles. I'm going to do the podcast and eventually it'll catch on. What, what was that moment for you where you went, Oh wow, we're, we're hitting a little different audience here than I thought we were just a few weeks ago. Well, I got one, Jason. I'm not sure if you, if you, I've got one point. too. And I, I'm curious okay, go, what you said. Well, let me, yeah. let me just put a pin in what Jason said. And thanks for recognizing that we try to keep the site impartial. We do not have a horse in the game. Any sponsorship we accept for the website are grower groups, commodity groups. No one's selling anything that keeps, you know, the lights on and we're appreciative of that, but we make a point of not, not trying to let our own personal biases or anyone else's biases um, affect the articles that we write. And I should mention, we also invite lots of other people to write for the site. It goes through us as editors, of course, to ensure that they're not promoting something because as you said, they're, they're selling something, but we, we do, we're, we are proud of the fact that we're impartial. Uh, as for what tipped the balance, we were kind of yelling into the wind for a long time. That's, that's fine. It takes time for people to recognize the resource and for the resource to become worth recognizing. But I managed to drag Tom very far out of his comfort zone once when he came out to Ontario to do a demo with me, one of the outdoor demos. And I said, you know what we should do? Uh, he's got a rather dry and shocking sense of humor after a few beer. You got to dig a bit, but it's there. I said, let's do something edgy. Let's do a Monty Python-esque, goofy 1980s shot of something with spraying. Let's record it because we don't get together as often as we'd like. We're several provinces apart. And, uh, you know, it'll have legs. It'll, it'll be something that'll be a powerful foundational teaching tool for years to come. And who's to say, why, don't, why shouldn't we have some fun with it? It's edutainment. And I wrote a script. And thanks to Real Agriculture, a, a media company here in Canada, they filmed it and edited it for us. And we called it Exploding Sprayer Myths. And if I'm honest, uh, I think Tom was a bit horrified because he, he, watched, he watched it after post-production and went, yeah, this is not something a professional scientist wants to see himself. Who wants a pie in the face? Does that erode someone's confidence in you? But you know what? People responded. 
My concern was that people would dismiss the message because of the means that we use to deliver it. But I went down to the States for some conferences, including APSI, the American Pesticide Education Group. And I showed this, this video and they all, they were appreciative. They laughed in all the right spots. And at the end I said, okay, answer these questions for me. And they nailed it. Not because it's their training and they knew the answers, but they, they, they dug the educational, the pedagogy out of the video. So we satisfied all fronts. We had a riot. We created something that's lasting and something that's educational and everybody responded. That moment, that showed me how I thought we should communicate with people and the, pers the persona this, that we would give off this nozzle guy, spray guy thing and how we would deliver these messages to get the most bang for our buck. And we've done you know, a dozen of these now, and we're still writing and filming them. Yeah, that was a stroke of genius, Jason. It, it arose out of a, a little thing I had with Real Ag previous, which is called Spray Tips with Tom. Right. And then we just decided to just make it, uh, make it better and funnier and include Jason in it. And, and then we realized that we had two different kinds of approaches. You know, I'm, I'm kind of the straight guy. Jason's the funny guy, but we occasionally flip that script around too. But for me, it was a completely different thing. I mean, for me, it was that I actually realized that my number one job is, is, is not really to understand uh, spraying, but rather to understand farming. My number one job is to understand farming. And the only way that I can actually serve my clients is if I get it, if I get what they're up against every single day. I grew up on a farm that my farm cred can only go so far though. So my number one job is to immerse myself in egg and figure out exactly what the issues are because they're always changing. And so we realized, you know, for, for a long time in my scientific career, I, I, people would say, what do you do? I said, well, I study atomization. And I'm really not, not interested in anything before the nozzle. And I'm not really interested in anything after the plant. So I'm, I'm looking at a two foot space in, uh, you know, and, and the transport of the spray plume into the canopy. How does that work? And what does it do? I realized that, you know, there's only like the, the, the real rubber hits the road with productivity and agronomy and, and sort of the, you know, what do you have to do today and why? And why is it important that it be done well and quickly and efficiently? And so, for example, one of the articles we wrote was, uh, tender trucks you know we realize this is not about spraying at all this is about getting more sprayed and it's not about driving faster or changing your water volume it's about filling faster because that's your downtime so we the, the website and the, the the effort to understand farming opened up a whole new realm of what spraying is all about so now we talk more about externalities to spraying that improve spraying and not as you know, it's still not, not, nozzle choice is still the number one thing we were asked about, obviously. But but uh, when we say look at, uh, we really you know, and we know the sprayers can do twenty five miles an hour, but we don't think it's a good idea. Uh, <laughs> better to approach productivity from another angle. I like that you chose that particular article. That it remains one of the highest numbers of that article is perhaps the most viewed article we have, and. It speaks to the community of the website because it was created not only by you, but by all the growers that read the first draft and started sending you in photos and descriptions of how they solved the problem of their own tender truck yeah. needs. Yeah. We so, asked, you know, we that was a community them. article. It, it was yeah. so big, you wrote a second one just to gather up all the other ideas, didn't you? Yeah, and it's time for a third one, maybe even. But Probably. yeah, you're right. This is actually an article that was produced by the growers themselves. I said, this is how I built my tender system, and this is why I did it the way I did it, and this is what and, I like about and it. And it's a great example of how these articles resonate with them and how you found that way to speak to them, that they wanted to speak back. I love it. Well, and, and yeah. speaking of the, the that specific thing there, it's something that as a company we, we do a lot of uh, – 
you know, nurse tank, nurse trailer, nurse truck designs. And, and, and they'll, the common thing that comes in for our customer is, well, you know, I need to put together a tender trailer. And, we're, and it's pretty much, all right, how big of a tank do you want? And then how do you want to plumb it? And everybody says something different every time. And, it, and it's interesting to see, like, uh, on our end, it's like, all right, so a couple 3,200-gallon tanks. Uh, here's a 3-inch pump. Here's some hose. Oh, and they want to put some inductor tanks with it because they're going to be putting – you know, whatever different uh, uh, chemicals in there. Um, and then you give it to them, and then they send you a picture of the completed project. And on, on our end, you, you basically sold the exact same products to this guy, this guy, and this guy, and their concept that they came back with every time is something different. Nope, nobody does it the same. Uh, and, and it's always tough on our end when a, a customer says, well, how does everybody else do it? And we just kind of shrug our shoulders and go, however it works best for them. I mean, everybody's got a different... Uh, idea on, on how to do uh, a nurse sprayer, sprayer truck design. It's a great it's, point. It's really, you know, it led to, it led to an approach about, you know, time accounting, basically, you know, keep track of how you spend your time on a spray day. We're able to monitor, you know, engine and spray hours on a sprayer and realize that when the engine runs, let's assume it's a spray day, you're actually only spraying less than 50% of the time. The other time you're doing other things. So a big part of that is, is, filling but the other one that came out of this jason is is the the cleaning side you know i have an on like i you know i ask my customers when i speak to them i say you know when do you know that your sprayer is clean and the answer that they come back with sometimes cheekily is usually it takes about two weeks you know <laughs> and you know exactly what they mean you realize oh you know it's this black box the tank looks clean the water looks clean but is it? Is uh-huh. it safe to go into those beans with that whatever's left in there? Have I cleaned it enough? And so you clean again just to be safe. And you, so you end up wasting or you spending. I'm not sure if, you're, if it's a waste. You don't know if it's a waste. So we we started to say, well, we got to clean better, faster, more efficiently. So the continuous rinsing idea came out of Europe. Uh, we brought it to, to North America via the website. And dozens and dozens of people have done it and they love it you know and now the recirculating boom is coming and we're able to promote these good ideas they're not necessarily our ideas we just recognize them as good and say hey look have you heard of this and so we're you know we're hopefully helping people to get the job done better there's a risk not a risk there there's a responsibility uh, on one, in one sense because it's you know we're not really beholden to anyone really in what we choose to write and how we choose to write it it's a great joy to be a self-publisher because you're your own editor and your own review committee. But when we advocate, and I have to say that we do, there are certain practices that we promote and represent because we feel that they're the, the best approaches we have right now. Occasionally, when we recognize a problem, like what Tom pointed out with cleaning, how do you know you're done? There's no easy answer. And the articles become almost a challenge to industry to correct the issue. So we we advocate for the growers on behalf of the growers to the organizations that need to hear from them. We're like a middleman in in that sense. We've sometimes been really, Jason, we've been really mean to to manufacturers, haven't we? We've called them (laughs) names, you know, because, you know, you spend a lot of money on a sprayer and it it lacks certain features. You kind of go, the first thing you got to do when you buy a sprayer for half a million is spend another 25 to make it work properly, you know? I'm going, come on, that's that's outrageous. So one of the things we love is is sort of the influx of uh, new products into the marketplace. Competition is the best thing. And it, it, we don't have a lot of competition in the spraying world. We really have just a handful of majors. Yep. 
and we really need more. And uh, so, you know, the rising tide raises all ships. That's what we're trying to achieve here by bringing to light some of these new features. Now, I, I should say, don't think that we're being overly critical. I, we're not the kind of, both of us believe that you don't just point out a problem without at least uh, suggesting what a solution might be. So, you know, we never just rant that something's not right. We, we lay out very clearly what the problem is and what the price of that problem is to agriculture, to the grower, to the industry in general. Uh, and then we do make, you know, certain suggestions that are, that are based in science, not opinion, that you, we've seen these different methods worldwide. They tend to work. There's a, a gaping hole in this particular part of the industry that could be filled. So it, it's never that we're just stirring things up. This isn't like a, <laughs> some kind of clickbait. Five ways to clean your sprayer. You'll be surprised. <laughs> like we're, we're, we do not You'll play that game. What That's right. Which one of these will help you lose 50 pounds while spraying? <laughs> Using a PTO Let's, with no guard Jason, will tear a leg off. <laughs> Jason, I, I, think, I think we should try the clickbait. I think that's a good idea. I Dude, I have really... been so tempted, but I'm not doing it. I've got too much pride. I, I could I'm go through. It. I don't care what you say. You know, I, I'm a, I, I know how to you know run a little WordPress on my side. I've got a few websites that I made. So if you guys permission me in, I'll just go back through and I'll clickbait title all of your previous articles for you, and we'll see what happens. You know, you know, five ways not to die while spraying, and it's nothing. <laughs> Number <else>. four <laughs> will shock you. You won't believe what happens next. We'll change yeah. all our thumbnails to little pictures of Tom hanging off of sprayers and things with big bold letters like YouTube channels. Yeah, uh, but you know the thing is too that our you know farmers are busy and they have a lot of people trying to you know get into their time right and so you do have to be efficient and sometimes when you pull it three or four things that they can and can't do they can they can uh you know read that real quick and so the you know i do have a number of articles where say you know five tips for spraying in the wind you know and they're they're meant to be a a, a one minute read and maybe maybe something will trigger the thing, uh, kind of going back to what you had mentioned on, on manufacturers, and, and granted, our, our company, we're a manufacturing company, but I, I feel like we, uh, us three would converse in the same boat. One, one of the most frustrating things I have when I see a major manufacturer come out with a quote-unquote new sprayer development or a new sprayer uh, technology, and, and then you see it presented and you just go, well, no, you just rebranded the thing you were doing before. That's very frustrating because it's not it's not new. It, 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 and that leads me into my question with with both of you through the research and, and, and what you have put into this. What really have been maybe the biggest steps forward in the last 12 months, 24 months that you've seen in sprayer technology uh, that maybe the average farmer hasn't seen yet because of either cost or covid or it hasn't come out yet. But that that you've seen on your end to go, hey, this this really is groundbreaking and something that we should be looking at for the future. It just hasn't caught on yet. Go ahead, I mean, a Tom. lot of times the, the biggest changes are, are incremental. You know, we're, we don't tend to have overnight revolutionary designs. It's all a uh, stepwise uh, going from one small change to another until ultimately you do have something better. Uh, you know, boom, height control and leveling is one such thing i wish we had a boom where you could set it to, to foot and a half or whatever is recommended and say and say okay we're done here this is the right height and it's going to stay there no matter what the terrain is that's still you know a a, a, a wish wishful thinking the 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 big one i think that that we're seeing tremendous activity and is really weed detection using artificial intelligence and uh, so there are 
uh, an increasing number of announcements from all sizes of companies that will find weeds uh, in either a, a brown canopy, in other words, a burn off or in crop, in fact. I mean, you can actually commercially buy in Australia an, an Agrifax sprayer with a bilberry, you know, a green on green detection system for spraying certain weeds in, in most crops. That's revolutionary. And, um, you know, the uptake of that will take some time, but um, I'm excited about that potential. My example would be a little different. So the first recirculating plumbing system I saw in a boom was brought to my attention by a, a guy at a, a farm show seven or eight years ago. And, and if I'm honest, I didn't get it. All I saw was a lot more line that needed cleaning and I, I just didn't understand it. It just goes to show it. It really does take time for some ideas to, for you to have the time to focus and really think about something. So over the years, I was exposed to more and more of these systems until at one point I, I was finally kind of mentally ready and, uh, I did see the value in it and I saw some improvements in the plumbing that made it something worth talking about. And again, this was another opportunity where Tom and I happened to be together for an outdoor show and we wanted to teach the two or three different ways that recirculating booms could be either added to a spray or aftermarket or the ones that you could purchase that already had it and why they were of great benefit. But like me, most of the people experiencing the technology for the first time just see an upturned plate of black spaghetti and they can't figure out which way the liquid's going or why or what the benefit could possibly be. So we tackled it by buying a bunch of colored pool noodles and having the audience come down and follow templates like Lego and build these things by pinning the pool noodles to the ground and tracking where the liquid would go. And we ended with one of the, I won't name brands, but a, a sprayer pulled up and, and, and had this thing native uh, and we showed how it worked. And I've watched over the seven or eight years as Tom mentioned, this incremental change, but in this case, it was incremental adoption. As people were no longer buying aftermarket recirculating booms, the manufacturers themselves recognized the value of a factory option, not just European imports, but North American. And I am now seeing more and more of these sprayers coming with this feature. And if I can just, you know, stroke my crystal ball for a second, I, I don't think it's going to be an option at some point. It's going to be expected, uh, required on most sprayers. Because if you don't have it, you're out of the game. Your competitor's going to have it and everybody finally gets it and wants it. Yeah. So it's been and, fun know, to watch that happen. Yeah, and it's driven to a large degree uh, in other countries by regulation, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, the, the, the biggest example we've seen of regulations has been the dicamba label in the last four years, you know, where all of a sudden, if you don't comply with the, the label on app applying that product, you're liable for damages and it's taken very seriously. And so there, uh, in, in Europe, there are much bolder regulations even than that. And so it's, it's affected spare design. And, yeah, and, um, and 45 and companies been, vying for your dollar, unlike the three or four that are over here too. So yeah. they all market have to keep access, up. You know, different countries say, look, if you, if you can't, if you don't have this uh, accuracy in terms of, uh, you know, measuring liquid, or if you don't have this small remaining volume left in the tank after you pump it empty, then you're not selling in our marketplace because we need that for, you know, pollution control. Ah, so uh, Germany, the laid back <laughs> country that is Germany. 
We, I yes. have seen uh, a lot of those uh, regulations here in the last couple of years as I've kind of expanded my, my sprayer knowledge. So starting to understand uh, just what uh, is difference from, you know, the U.S. to Canada to Europe to Australia. I mean, there, there, there's something different in each uh, one of those countries for sure. We're getting up against it on our, on our time limit here because I don't like to, you know, draw out these podcasts for a real long period of time. It's been a great conversation and I certainly want to have it again with you guys. But before... Uh, we wrap things up. I want to kick it back to each one of you guys um, to either promote something on your end or if there's an article that you think people should be going to sprayers101.com and checking out um, uh, to go ahead and recommend that now. Jason, we'll, we'll start with you. Uh, if you've got a recommendation or something to push out there, what, uh, what should our listeners be checking out on your end? I'm a fickle guy, Jason. I'm in love with the last thing I did. So just an hour before we had this call, I published, I say published, I posted uh, an article on Spurs 101 about water-sensitive paper. Yep. And this has been my little personal rabbit hole for the last two or three months. It was innocent enough. We've The world has used Syngenta water-sensitive paper in agriculture for 40 years. And in the last five, two, two new brands have emerged. And it was a simple curiosity. Do these papers behave the same way? Uh, I think... Perhaps water-sensitive paper is the unsung hero in agriculture. It saves a fortune. It prevents all kinds of, uh, of uh, unintentional off-site contamination. It helps with sprayer adjustments, yada, yada, yada. So wouldn't it be neat to know if they behave the same way? And, you know, three months just disappeared on me where I got <laughs> lost in things like optical assessment and, and, and how to visualize these things and the limits of, limits of resolution, stuff I have no right to look into but couldn't get out of. And just this morning, I, I put up my article about comparing how these papers behave, not to rank them, but to simply let people know uh, if they do choose to, to look at them very, very closely, what, what differences they might find. So if people are looking to be surprised about that little piece of yellow paper and what it can and can't do, go check it out. There you go. How about you on your end, Tom? You know, I... I like the website for catering to a number of different learning styles. And uh, we have articles that are quite serious. And then we also have uh, poetry, you know, <laughs> we, we write lyrics to songs, uh, you know, adapted lyrics. And, uh, and so you remember those guys in Michigan, uh, I actually sang painted black for us. Uh, so, you know, it, uh, I, I, I like the diversity that we have in the website and some people are drawn to certain parts of it. And, uh, you know, sometimes I actually go back and read our sprayer haikus and chuckle a little bit because they, they're hilarious. And, uh, and, you know, other people have written for us as well. So I let's, just encourage people to go let's there and mention, have Tom, some fun. We're going to tear it down too. So don't be surprised mm -hmm. over the next couple of months. If you're just finding out about the site now, uh, it's time for a refresh. And we recognize that occasionally you need a new fresh coat of paint so we've hired a consultant and we're going to rebuild the website again from the bottom up to again reflect how people use it and some some things we've noticed to make it easier and even a better experience for the user so do watch for that excellent well i appreciate you guys coming on again the website is sprayers101.com tom jason thank you very much thank you thank you jason jason devoe Tom Wolf, sprayers101.com. That is a website for you to check out. That was a quick 30 minutes, I'll tell you that. Uh, great conversation with those guys. Very educational. We plan on having them on uh, down the road as we talk about more subjects. We got the initial, hey, how you doing? Glad to meet you out of the way. We've, we've shook hands. 
We've looked one another in the eyes, and I, I, I think we'll continue having those conversations down the road and uh, educating our listeners on uh, the world of uh, sprayers, liquid application, all the technologies, all the changes that are happening out there. So with that said, we will wrap things up for this podcast. And as always, as in life and in pumping, always remember to grind your pump. You never want to run dry, overheat, or cause damage when you don't have to. So stay efficient and work hard. So make sure your pump is primed. This has been the Ag Spray Equipment Podcast.